You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1361 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening into Saturday. And thank you for joining us, as always, in the podcast, making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher, Odyssey, TuneIn Radio. And on the video side, we are on YouTube with every episode of the show. And also, today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And the Hawks opened up the night in a pretty interesting position. The Hawks were banged up at a pretty high level throughout the day. Lots of injury report stuff that we'll talk about in a second. The Hawks were underdogs at home against the Denver Nuggets because of the fact that Trey Young was not available for the Hawks in this game, nor was John Collins or DeAndre Hunter. But the Hawks led for the vast majority of this game and, in fact, led comfortably for most of, most of the second half, ultimately winning by an eight-point margin. And it was not necessarily in doubt in the final couple of minutes. So a very impressive performance across the board for the Hawks, especially when it comes to being undermanned, not having everybody available. And I'm going to change course on what I usually do on the podcast. I'm going to open up the podcast with the post game, actually, from Nate McMillan. The first answer that he gave, you can kind of see, see that Nate was more jovial than usual after this one. And here's what he had to say after the game was over. Uh, I wasn't pretty good. That was great. It really was. You know, um, I'll just start off just respect for these guys um, and uh, how they just came together and and played the game uh, together for 48 minutes. Uh, we saw this in Orlando. Uh, we had guys to go down and we had guys to step up and uh, play. I thought DJ tonight did a great job of establishing uh, the tempo from start to finish, uh, you know, running the team, managing uh, the team. And all of our guys who, uh, you know, stepped in uh, in the starting roles, Jalen, uh, AJ, uh, Jared, uh, you know, Clint, um, you know, those guys just played great basketball. It was a team effort tonight. I know we had some big time individual performances, but uh Total team effort uh, tonight, beating a really good team uh, in Denver. Honestly, I could play the entire thing for you. And uh, Nate talked for, you know, five plus minutes about different topics and different different players. And there was always there's definitely a sense of uh, joy from the Hawks after this one when it comes to Bogdanovich, when it comes to DeJounte Murray, AJ Griffin, the guys that spoke to the media after the game and just generally up and down the roster. It was an impressive home win. You never want to go crazy about one win out of 82. But the Hawks played it very, very well. In this game, and they definitely uh, out sort of outpaced their available talent in this one. Um, so I'm just going to leave with that, and uh, we'll dive in now to what transpired. So I say all that. The injury report was really a wild ride in the last uh, 24 hours or so. It was already busy on Thursday. I talked about that a little bit on the show yesterday. And by the way, if you missed it, I did a two-part deep dive episode with my friend Tower Jones. And on part one, I talked about the injury stuff for this game, as well as a little bit of a preview of Hawks Nuggets. And uh, it was already busy. Then it became even wilder on Friday. So Trey Young was added midday to uh, to the injury report as questionable with shoulder soreness. And then Trent Forrest was ruled out at the same time with a concussion evaluation after he actually took part in shoot around and all of that. So as of Friday afternoon, the Hawks had only six guys available to play uh, at, one, at one point. And then it became seven. And then it was uh, four guys out. 
and five guys questionable. Nate McMillan pregame in his typical fashion did not really answer anything when it came to who was available or any kind of speculation, but he did say kind of in slip fashion that 10 guys would be available for the Hawks and he wouldn't say who it was. It ended up being 11 actually by the time the uh, game actually started. But during Nate's press conference, it was actually kind of funny, but Bogdan Madonovich posted on Instagram that he was going to be able to play. So that was the first domino, was that Bogey, who has not played in more than seven months after a off-season procedure on his knee, he actually said after the game, as, as I'll play for you later on in the show, that uh, he had so much pain at times last year down the stretch of the season that he was kind of uh, you know unable to sleep. That's how bad it was at times. It, t- it took a while for him to get back, but he is now back af- as of today. That was the positive headliner of the night for the Hawks before tip-off was that Bogey was able to go. Um, ended up with 11 guys available, but Trey Young was not one of them. So Trey missed the game. The Hawks, uh, I will say, and I said this before the game even started, they usually do a pretty good job at staying competitive and playing fairly well without Trey in full game increments. Now, I'll, I will say this right now. They are not better without Trey. There's, uh, that, I think most of that stuff is kind of jokes at this point in time about Trey not being there. But uh, they've done a good job dating back for years now. You know, Famously, the Hawks have been so bad with Trey off the court in terms of the on-off splits, really his entire career. That's definitely been the case this year even. But in terms of full game scenarios, like one-offs, they've done a pretty good job dating back to Brandon Goodwin winning games for them. This year, they won the, they won the game against Milwaukee without him. And then tonight, now they're 2-0 without Trey this year. So credit to everybody involved. And we'll get into all of what transpired later on, of course. On the Denver side, Michael Porter Jr. missed this one. Uh, that's definitely a loss for them. Jamal Murray was questionable, ended up playing. Um, and they were definitely healthier than the Hawks were in this in this spot, for sure. And our friends at Bell Line, who, who I always want to give you the context about the betting line coming into the night. Because of the injuries, there were so many swings in this one. The Hawks were actually favored initially on Thursday before the injury reports came out. Then it was Denver by a couple of points. Then it became Denver by five points by tip-off. And obviously the Hawks ended up uh, upsetting that and winning the game on the floor. So we'll get into the game now. And uh, and early, honestly, the first salvo was the Hawks. And I said it before, but the Hawks led for basically 47 and a half minutes of this game. And part of that was that they came out of the gate flying. So they started uh, DeJounte Murray, as you'd expect, AJ Griffin, Jarrett Culver, Jalen Johnson, and Clay Capella. So a couple of different options there. They could have gone with Aaron Holiday. could have gone with someone who was a little bit more offensively inclined than Culver. But they uh, got also, also was the first start of Jalen Johnson's career. And they were starting a guy on a two-way contract. Uh, Culver, you know, definitely playing well the last couple of games. But uh, if you told me he was going to start games by December 2nd, I would have been definitely surprised by that. And uh, some questionable spacing with that group for sure. In fact, really only Griffin is a plus shooter of those five. But it ended up working at a fairly high level, especially early on. It was a 13-2 run by the Hawks out of the gate. They made their first six shots and uh, scored efficiently, um, definitely to start the game. Eight points in the paint. And then Murray and Griffin hit jump shots. Uh, Culver got downhill twice off the dribble to create some good stuff. Murray had three assists, and the Hawks were playing quite well. Hilariously, the first missed shot of the game with Clint Capella having to be forced to take a shot clock buzzing shot with like 21 feet. Uh, It was kind of funny. That was the first miss of the night. Kind of amusing on that level. Um, Jalen, though, had a good possession sequence. And honestly, he was really good the entire night. Um, Got a defensive rebound, went, went coast to coast with it for a layup, and then knocked out a jump shot, actually, in pretty confident fashion moments later. Uh, rotationally, there weren't a, a lot of surprises. There were 11 guys available, and nine of the 11 played. No Frank Kaminsky in this game, and no Tyrese Martin, who was actually recently recalled from the G League. He had been there longer than everybody else had been there. 
And if you if you told me coming in the, to the game, um, once I knew who was playing, that two guys were not going to play, I would have probably guessed Tyrese Martin and Frank Kaminsky. Um, they had to basically choose one of Vic Krejci or Tyrese Martin for the ninth man role. And then the only way that Frank was going to play is if it was going to be one of those lineups with with he and Akongwu playing together. But uh, basically that was uh, kind of expected across the board. Bogey was the first sub, got a huge ovation from the home crowd. He came in mid-quarter for Culver. Uh, also the first time that he's ever played in a game with either DeJounte Murray or AJ Griffin, in addition to guys like Vic Krejci. But even in the starting lineup, he started uh, guys who are prominent on this organization, like Murray and Griffin. Bogey's never played, never played with those guys before. It's kind of interesting to just kind of remember that. He definitely was uh, not shy. That's the biggest thing about Bogey is that he always plays with confidence. He talks about this after the game, but he was definitely uh, enthused by the ovation by the crowd. But he didn't look... Um, Terrible by any means. Like, obviously, his legs probably have to get under him a little bit. He talks about the speed of the game being a little bit too much for him at this point in time. But he, he wasn't making a ton of shots, but he was looking um, assertive anyway. He was not, like, playing timidly, and that's a good sign for everybody involved. It was Krejci. It was Aaron Holiday as the backup, as the backup point guard in this spot. Uh, whenever AJ was off the floor, it was Aaron on the court. Actually, actually played pretty well in this game, I thought. But Denver had a couple of nice runs. An 8-0 run late in the first quarter to kind of cut into the lead a little bit. Hawks had their, their first outage of the game offensively. Um, Bogey made his first bucket with like a minute to go in the first quarter. And then Denver made a three at the very end of the quarter to get back within three. The Hawks shot the ball very well early and often in this game, which was uh, fun to see and definitely a part of the solution in this game. Um, it started very small in the second quarter, actually. It was kind of funny. It was a holiday, Griffin, Bogdanovich, Krejci, and a Kongu lineup. So Krejci has like power forward height, but he's definitely more of a perimeter player for sure. So they basically played Aaron Holiday, who's very small, and then three wings and a Kongu. And uh, that was notable to me that you know it's one of those things where they, they don't really have power forward sized players. Like Jalen Johnson is the only guy right now with Collins out that is really power forward sized that was on the on the floor. So there you go. AJ had a great drive and dish to Congo for a layup early in the quarter. Uh, he was the first guy to reach double digits for the Hawks in, in this game scoring-wise and actually finished only behind Murray in scoring did AJ. Uh, Bogey played 11 consecutive minutes, which seemed to be pretty aggressive. In fact, he did that both times. I don't know if that was a training staff decision or anything like that, but certainly a notable thing for me. I would not have, I would not have guessed that Bogey played that many minutes in a row, but maybe that was preferred for some reason. Um, a couple of highlight dunks in the third quarter. Uh, sorry, in the second quarter, um, Akongwu had a nice dunk as the trailer on a fast break, and then Joe Johnson had a tip dunk off of Capella miss late in the game. The Krejci had one that was a huge one as well. The Hawks were only up by two with like six minutes to go in the first half, then they closed on a big run, an 18-6 to run at the end of the quarter to go up by 14 at halftime. It was a fantastic half of basketball, a 133 offensive rating. They shot 63% from the floor in the first half, the first time all season. In any half, so basically it was the it was the what twenty fifth half of the season, and the first time the Hawks had shot six percent or more in a half basketball was the first half without Trey Young and without John Collins and without and without DeAndre Hunter because basketball is weird. Um, Thirty two points in the paint. They had sixteen assists in the first half. Awesome, awesome stuff there. Dejounte had fourteen points, including all five of his shots going in in the second in the second quarter, and then Jalen Johnson had. A career high in rebounds and assists by the time halftime even arrived. <laughs> Great, it was his first start ever, but definitely some funny stuff there with regard to the numbers and the Hawks were flying high. It was not always that easy. The second quarter, the second half, I should say, was not quite as forgiving. They actually lost the second half by six points, but still up by 14 and the tone was set and they were able to kind of uh, float from there as we'll get into in a moment. But first, before we do all of that, a word from our sponsors on the show today. 
Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online, and Bet Online is, of course, always where you want to be for the sports information that you're looking for, including stats, news, and analysis this season. December is here, and the NBA is in full swing. Plenty of football going on as well. Soccer, especially right now with the World Cup, hockey, and other action happening across the sports world. Get the latest odds and trends for every pro and college league that you're looking for at Bet Online. That includes, of course, those big time sports as well as some esports. They have golf, and they have tennis, and auto racing, and horse racing, and much more. Bet Online is also very useful. If you're looking at the latest for the Hawks, including the nightly game odds and totals, as well as the futures market, how it looks on the team side, or the individual award stuff going on with the Hawks. And Betonline is the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting fix. If you have a, a love for sports podcasts, you can also find those at Betonline. In addition to the Locked on Hawks podcast you're listening to right now, and check out Betonline on your mobile device, on your computer to learn more, more about all the trends and the action in the sports world. Betonline, where the game starts. All right, and the second half uh, certainly started out in poor fashion. The Hawks' worst stretch of the game was the first few minutes of the third quarter. Uh, Denver definitely was trying to juice the pace. And I made note of that on Twitter, and then it was actually echoed by Nate McMillan after the game in his comments. Denver definitely was trying to intentionally play fast and run in the third quarter, and it worked. They had three buckets in a row in transition at one point, which caused a timeout by, by McMillan. And uh, it was a 17-5 to overall run by the Nuggets to go from the Hawks up by 14, up by two in a hurry. The lead was gone, and it felt like things were really teetering at that point. They made some jump shots in timely fashion. It was mostly A.J. Griffin, a couple of makes. Uh, I know Murray made one, and then even Culver made one that was actually a big shot. His one jumper of the entire game that went in. The offense was definitely fine in the third quarter, but the defense was definitely having some issues. Uh, Jokic was an MVP, as he has been the last couple of seasons. He was fantastic in the third quarter, taking it to the Hawks. And Capella got his fourth foul. That was part of the, uh, the part of the problems as well. The Hawks actually gave up the lead entirely at one point. The Nuggets tied the game, and then Jokic had a three after that to go up, actually up by one point, but that lasted only one possession. The Hawks trailed by one point for one possession in the entire game. Then it was a 12-2 run by the Hawks at the end of the third quarter. A Vic Krejci time dunk, which I which I talked about before. That got everybody excited. Conley made some jump shots, which is good to see. He was very he was shooting the ball confidently and smoothly in this one. And then Murray had a pull-up three on the last, last possession. And basically, the Hawks go into the fourth quarter up by nine, despite being down with like three minutes to go in the quarter, which was nice. Denver shot 67% from the floor in the third quarter. And Jokic had 15 points, six rebounds by himself. But the Hawks got it going on offense to keep up for the most part. They shot it well. They had a 129 offensive rating through three quarters, which is just absolutely excellent. Even against a pretty shaky Nuggets defense, for sure. And then the fourth, it was largely without incident. Now, there were some questions along the way. It was never like super comfortable, but the Hawks were able to hold off a charge of some kind from the Nuggets. The Hawks were up by 12 early in the fourth quarter with Jokic on the bench. Uh, Denver, uh, long story short, has been terrible without Jokic, without Jokic this year on the floor and awesome when he plays. That was kind of the case here, especially, especially the terrible part with him off the floor. But Aaron Holiday had a great stretch early in the fourth quarter, had seven points in a row. Um, they got the benefit also of Ish Smith, the Nuggets back point guard, misses a misses a wide open layup that was kind of funny to see an NBA player miss. Boogie made a three finally, which was nice to see. He was fired up, so it was the crowd. And then a couple of like genuinely mind blowing, impressive finishes from Jamal Murray got things to a tighter period. Uh, the lead was down to eight with like I don't know seven minutes to go and a timeout from there. And then Nate called timeout again seventy seconds later. It was very very fast because the Nuggets scored five more points in a row. And that was the one uh-oh moment of the entire fourth quarter, was the Hawks, the lead was down to three. Um, that came with AJ on the bench. He came back in after that, and order was, was restored pretty quickly. In fact, Denver had a three in the air from Murray that would have tied the game. But from there, the Hawks um, were the better team, and the Nuggets, I don't think, made a shot for the next four minutes or so. In fact, Griffin and Murray made buckets, uh, kind of trading things off. And then uh, 
Murray got to his floater a couple times on Aaron, on Aaron Gordon in one-on-one situations, and he made a couple of huge plays. That was the big one to go up by seven. Never missed again. And then uh, AJ got a rough rebound off a, off a mishap by Capella, who kind of lost the ball on what could have been a tip dunk. And it went straight to AJ for a floater to go up by nine with two minutes to go. It was probably over then. There was a timeout. Denver missed six consecutive shots plus a turnover in this stretch. And then with, with DeJounte Murray's put back with like 30 seconds to go, that was really the moment when it was officially over and the Hawks kind of uh, cruise controlled to the finish up by eight at the final buzzer. Um, offensively, it was really awesome. The fourth quarter was a little bit less uh, efficient from Atlanta's offense, but for the whole game, even a 123 offensive rating, again, without Trey and without your starting forwards uh, to go out and do that. Even against a, a defense that is pretty not great in Denver, they've been below average this year defensively. The Hawks shot 65% on twos. In the game, that's obviously an elite figure. They were 10 of 20 from three, which is totally just like average, but also acceptable for this Hawks team. The shot diet was not that much different. People are kind of asking about that after the game. A lot of mid-range jump shots still from the Hawks. A lot of, mid- lot of, lot of floaters from AJ, a lot of mid-rangers from DeJounte. They just made more of them than they have been making more of them recently. Murray having it going really helps. He was really good in this game. And then Griffin uh, basically has been just like foolproof in that mid- in that mid-range area with, with his craft so far. And you definitely would not know that he was 19 years old watching him play on offense in particular. Um, the assists did slow down. The ball movement that was a little bit worse in the second half, but still a totally fine 2-1 to one assist turnover ratio, 24-12 to 12 for Atlanta. And then they, they did well in the offensive glass in this game. And then uh, the free throw line was kind of not a huge part of this game. Neither team got to the line a lot, but that's totally fine because the Hawks just kind of traded off um, not getting there for also holding Denver from that spot. And it was the first time all season the Hawks had seven guys in double figures in this game. Um, so the first time all year, they set a uh, a new mark for field goal percentage in the first half, and then another season high with seven guys reaching 10 points or more. Nice balance along the way, even with Murray obviously being the standout of the night on offense. Uh, defensively, it was not like great by the end, a 115 defensive rating by the numbers, but it was good most of the night. And Denver is very good on offense. They came into the night top five in both offensive rating and also shooting efficiency overall. That's a tough team to stop. Even without Porter, like this is not, there's nothing wrong with the defense in this game. The Hawks played pretty well there. Uh, you sort of trade off a little bit. You know, Trey obviously his absence hurts the offense, helps the defense because he's a bad defender. We all know that. But then you trade that off with having Dejounte, sorry, having DeAndre and Trey and John both out. So it's kind of maybe a maybe a wash because Trey is pretty bad, but also DeAndre and John are good defenders. So uh, I'm kind of leave that there for now. But Denver shot it well in this game still, but the Hawks did well on the on the margins. They created 16 turnovers in this game. They did a good job on the glass. They allowed 13 shots at the free throw line in this one. So a really good, like, across-the-board effort from this defense. And uh, they were able to hold Jokic mostly in check. The third quarter was not really in check. But the rest of the game, he was really good, but not in a way that was, like, totally destructive to the Hawks, which was uh, definitely a positive at that point. So, again, broadly speaking, the Hawks had real balance on offense. The ball moved for the most part. They did well on the glass, which is always an area of concern against teams that are uh, you know bigger than you. But uh, you know, Jalen Johnson did a good, a good job on the defensive glass in this game. The Hawks didn't turn the ball over really at all. The only guy who had a lot of turnovers in this game was Bogey, which is part of the, just the rust factor there. You take Bogey away, and only had eight turnovers in the entire game. So uh, we'll get into more of this in a second with the individual breakdowns. But the Hawks should have been the underdog in this game, roster-wise, and they were even at home, but they go out and play a complete game. And like, it's one of 82, just in the same way that the loss to Houston was, you don't want to get too high or too low. This is a really, really, really nice win. And you can definitely kind of feel that from everybody involved, um, players, coaches after the game. 
And, uh, you know, Nate is very rarely excited. And uh, it was even, you know, it's, it's tempered always with Nate, but he was definitely uh, happy with the team and was praising them up and down the roster for their versatility and their uh, resilience from this one and talking about how they were down some guys in this game, but certainly able to come back and get a good win against a good team. Because Denver's, Denver's a good basketball team. They're Even with the loss, they're 14-8 and eight this year. And, uh, you know, with Jokic and Murray, that it's a good basketball team. So a nice one overall for the Hawks. We'll have more on that in a second, as well as the individual breakdowns in this game. But first, a word from our show, a word from our splash, I should say, on today's podcast. So nine guys played for the Hawks in this win over Denver, and they were generally all reasonably effective. I think the two guys that I would say did not play particularly well um, were Bogdanovich, for obvious reasons and explainable reasons and nothing to be worried about, and maybe Vic Krejci, but even then, Vic like, had some nice moments. He had three rebounds, uh, sorry, three assists and two rebounds, had that nice flash dunk. He was just okay. Defensively, he's kind of he's kind of an adventure at this point, but he was fine. Uh, for your ninth man in a, in a spot where you're so shorthanded, that was totally fine, and he played uh, decently well. Uh, Bogey had some rust for sure. Four turnovers and two of nine from the floor. Um, he was probably a negative on the whole, but like the fact that he was out there is huge. He does get guarded like nobody else on this team does other than maybe AJ and Trey. As far as the spacing elements are concerned, he's a, a beloved figure. Like everyone loves Bogey, and he's a really solid, solid vet guy. Uh, defensively, he's physical anyway. So good to see him out there. He was excited. I'm, I'm going to play the audio for you at the end of the podcast about like all of what he, all the questions that he answered, all the stuff that he relayed to the media after the game. But um, while he wasn't fantastic on the court, I think it's just more about the big picture on this one and just having Bogey back unlocks a lot of things for this Hawks team. Uh, Aaron Holiday was good. He had not been playing the last few games, and uh, credit to him for being um, locked in and being a, being a pro. I know it's it's hard to be a veteran and not play for a while and then suddenly be called upon and have a pretty big role in this game, and Holiday played well. He had 10 points, had two rebounds and an assist on only five shot attempts, made two threes. He shoot the ball away from three-point range. You know, Aaron Holiday has some weaknesses for sure. He's not someone who runs a ton of your offense as someone who is like 5'10", 5'11", but he can shoot and he can guard on the ball, and he was able to do that, those, those things in this game. And then Okongwu, I thought, played well defensively. He was very active, had a steal in this one. Rebounding was not like a huge factor for him. Um, three fouls in 17 minutes is always kind of what happens with Okongwu, it seems like, but he was plus 10 and uh, shot the ball well from mid-range. Uh, 10 points on six shots is very efficient. I thought he played well overall. Um, to the starters, Jarrett Culver, again, a good night at the office, a game high plus 15 for Culver. I'm not sure that's necessarily indicative, but I thought he played well. Seven rebounds, four assists two steals. Um, I was always high on Culver's like secondary stuff as a prospect. And uh, the shooting has definitely let him down as a pro, but he made a three in this game. He was three, three, three five on twos. And uh, Nate praised him for just the way that he's been playing hard. And I agree with that. He's been giving him a lot of defense. He's been playing the four some, which is not like his natural spot necessarily, but I think he did uh, give them some good minutes once again in this game. Um, Jalen Johnson, career high, 10 rebounds, career high, four assists, first career start. Uh, first half is better than the second half for Jalen, which might be expected. Like this is a guy who's not played a lot of minutes so far. He played 33 in this game. That's definitely a, uh, I believe a career high as well. At least one that was, um, not thrust upon him. So I thought Jalen was totally fine slash good better in the first half for sure, but some career nights for him across the board and encouraging signs as he's going to have to be leaned on heavily over the next couple of weeks with John Collins out. Uh, Capella was his usual self in this game, 12 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, as soon as he was ruled in, I thought, um, my optimism meter was quite a bit higher because, um, you know, if, if Capella's out against Jokic and against the Nuggets, you're in some trouble. Um, you know, I'm not sure this is going to go over well, but I'll, I'm just going to say it anyway. I think if you were choosing one of, uh, Capella or Trey Young to be available against Denver, you might choose Capella just because of the, uh, of the matchup 
in particular because of Jokic. Like, I don't think you want to, I don't, I don't think the Hawks wanted to have 48 minutes of a Kongwu and Kaminsky having to deal with Jokic. And obviously, Trey is a better player than Capella, so don't hear what I'm not saying. But uh, in this matchup in particular, uh, this is probably the number one matchup in the league where you would say that. But I think Capella being available was a huge part of the Hawks being able to hold up and hold serve and uh, play, play defense in this game. Uh, Griffin was awesome again. I talked about this with Tower Jones a little bit on the show yesterday, but it's like very easy to be like very, very, very positive about AJ Griffin. Uh, 24 points on 16 shot attempts, had three steals. He was active defensively. Um, not always perfect there by any means, but I think that he has been playing extremely well. He's under control. Uh, his feel is good. His floater range, his touch, uh, three-point shooting is obviously what it is. Like he was great in this game. And uh, in a huge moment as a number as a number two option, like very clearly, like he was being schemed differently defensively in this one because I think the Nuggets knew that he was their number two option behind Dejounte, and very obviously in this game, and he was still able to score efficiently and do it against a good team in Denver. Uh, finally, Murray was really good in this one. So like he said, he's been up and down. I think early in the season he played much better. Um, the last I don't know 10, 12 games he's not been quite as good. He was very, very, very good in this game. Thirty four points on twenty two shot attempts. Um, made his jump shots in this game. He was 4-7 from three. Uh, he was 9 of 15 on twos, which is totally fine. Got the line six times, had eight assists, one turnover. I know DeJounte even said it from the podium tonight that that was his number one thing was he only had one turnover in this game. Uh, I thought he was really good. Defensively, you know, definitely made some plays, had a block shot, but I thought he was in control. And that's the one thing that, that the Hawks do have now if Trey ever has to miss time is that they can rely on 35 to 40 minutes of an all-star level player and DeJounte Murray to run all their stuff. Like I saw some talk, talk, talk about the staggering principles and maybe the Hawks playing without those guys a little bit more. I still think you, that you want to have Trey or DeJounte on the floor at all times, but it is a reminder that the Hawks can play a more egalitarian style. Uh, I will say DeJounte's usage rate was very high in this game still, as it should have been because he had to carry a lot of, a, a lot of weight, but the Hawks played 13 minutes without DeJounte in this game and won those minutes. That was uh, That's kind of surprising to me, but I thought Aaron Holiday played well and they were able to kind of play through other guys. Um, I have been sort of advocating for more of Jalen Johnson in an on-ball role if they need more creation when it's not Trey and Jante playing together. That was kind of backed up in this game a little bit. I think Bogey also, once he's healthy especially, will give you another playmaker. Um, it's easier to forget this now, but in the past, the Hawks have staggered Trey and Bogey in key moments in the playoffs because they wanted to have somebody like Bogey to carry some usage when Trey was off the floor. Now that's DeJounte in a lot of ways, but Bogey gives him another guy who can handle the ball and also create his own offense and for other people as well. So anyway, up and down the roster, the Hawks played very well in this game. And it was one of those moments when like, if they lost on on Thursday in um, – sorry, on Wednesday in Orlando, it would have been like a lot of panic. It would have been their fourth loss in a row. And now they win that game. They hold serve. They come home. They win this game. And now they're 8-4 and four at home. And they're 13 and 10 overall. And their metrics don't look impressive necessarily. But you look up at the standings and the Hawks are in sole possession of fourth place right now in the Eastern Conference. So like a lot of work to be done for sure, but uh, not in a bad spot. And uh, from here, by the way, the Hawks host the Thunder on Monday. And the Thunder are not a bad basketball team right now. They're actually better than you would think. They're 9 and 13. They actually play on Saturday in Minnesota. But the Thunder have Shea, and they are talented for sure. That's still a game that the Hawks, even with reasonable-ish health, should win at home. So we'll see how that goes. But they have they have Saturday off and entirely, and then a practice on Sunday, and then a home game on Monday. And that's the schedule coming up for the Hawks. So, and by the way, you might if you're the Hawks, you might get Trey back in that game. You might get Trent Forrest back in that game. You might get Justin Holiday back in that game. So uh, it might be a little bit closer to full strength. Obviously, they're still going to be without Holiday, um, Hunter, and Collins. 
which makes life difficult. But if they're more healthy than they were tonight, it would be a little bit easier to game plan and perform, uh, generally speaking. So that's all I have for today on the podcast. Um, before I sign off, I will just say at the very end of this show, I'm going to toss on like this last six minutes or so, basically the entire media availability from Bogdanovich because he was very open about like his struggles and the way that it's kind of gone. And the best way to kind of give you all that context is to have basically him answering all these questions and you hear the question from the media, not the best sound quality in the world. It's just one of those things that happens. Um, I'm not a professional person on that level in terms of like capturing video, but You'll see that if you want to watch on YouTube, also hear it if you want to listen to it on your podcast platform of choice. But uh, before I get to that, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast today and also subscribing to the show. Please leave five-star ratings and please subscribe across platforms. If you want to help the show, the best possible way to do that, aside from uh, subscribing to my Patreon individually, which is not about the podcast, but it's also about my writing, uh, the best way to help the show itself is to subscribe and download across platforms. Set it to auto-download on Apple or Spotify or wherever you want to listen to podcasts and five-star ratings and reviews. Also follow us on Twitter at Let's on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Spread the word about the podcast if you are a Hawks fan and those people that might be listening to Hawks podcasts. Uh, this is one that might, they might want to try. So that'd be fantastic. And with all that said, thank you for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll have a show at some point in the near future. I will not guarantee a podcast before Monday, but at the very latest, I'll be back on Monday after the game between the Hawks and the Thunder. It's a home one, so we'll have full coverage of that as always. And uh, after I sign off here, you'll hear my Donovich. But thank you for listening, everybody, and I appreciate it. We'll see you all next time. Thank you. Amazing. I mean, really, we, we won a game. That's really what makes me happy because otherwise I will probably feel really bad. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's really exciting to be back, you know, and uh, happy to join the team, really. I honestly think it was perfect because I didn't expect, honestly, when I was checking in, I was really calm. Like, I know what I'm going to do and what, what is my job, and I was ready. But then, you know, I don't know. I didn't expect that ovations and crowd going crazy. Like, I understand, but it, it was really, it, it was hard for me. I, it made me nervous, honestly, like a little kid. That, that's how I felt like first two minutes and everyone's trying to talk to me. I, I can't hear nothing. Like, And it, it was crazy, really. And I think it was perfect. Yeah. Okay, what was that feeling like earlier today to get to send out that Instagram post and, and know that like finally after all of the hard work you, you put in to rehab and everything, that you finally today get that opportunity? Yeah, it was crazy, really. First time I experienced that type of injury, you know, in my life. And, I, I, you know, I really love this game, really. Like, and it's just amazing, you know, to go through that process, uh, you know, since last season. And the way I finished the season, you know, it's kind of when you get hurt and someone take that from you, it's, it's you, you behave like a kid, really, you know, and you, you want to come back uh, really bad. You know, and uh, there was a lot of like tough nights, you know, thinking, am I going to be myself, blah, blah, blah. How long is this going to hurt? And uh, I didn't have a like real setbacks, you know, but um, uh, at the end, I didn't know, you know, I was really like pushing to come back at the beginning of the season. Then it didn't, you know, everything didn't, it, it, it just needed more time to heal, you know, and Dr. Neil Ilitraz was telling me that, you know, it might be five, it might be six months. You know, this type of injuries like that. So um, I was really 
surrounded by family and people that were really, you know, giving me that like positive spirit all the time. And that really helped me. That really helped me. And now I'm back and hopefully for good. So after you were playing, what did you realize like, okay, I think this is becoming familiar, I'm back. And are you on any minutes Um, Like, I see what I need to do, but I cannot do it, you know, like at that speed. Because last time I played basketball, you know, was different different speed. So, yeah, I will need to get back on my speed. Um, but um, I really felt good, you know. Um, last season, like almost the whole year I played with one leg. It was really difficult to deal with it, you know. A lot of like, it's not just playing, it's, it's, it's like sleeping, you know. I couldn't sleep some nights. I couldn't, you know, and that... That, that mess with your fatigue and, and stuff. It's it's more mental, you know. Um, of course, I didn't expect to, you know, come back dunking, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, no pain at least. So that was that was uh, what I was dealing with. And now I'm I'm happy. Really, uh, I was I was patient, and that's it. I'm ready. Uh, Thank you. What has it been like to work with Paul? He was helping me a lot, even, you know, during the tough times, he was one of the guys for sure, um, you know, to keep pushing me, encouraging me, you know, to do, you know, to do the work, you know, and uh, he was there all the time, you know, I know coach, coach Nate sometimes given a day off, but he's there, you know, he, he came uh, on Elam Malik, they're there every day, I know that, so shout out to them, and um, also big thanks to the, the, my PT stuff as well, Marty, Taka, uh, they really helped me a lot. Um, Mike, strength coach, um, they were also, you know, I was really pain in the ass for them because I was complaining, why does, does it hurt? I, I thought I'm going to start a season. I was really nervous. I was, you know, I, I couldn't hide it from them. So I was mad at them. I was mad at doctor and everybody. <laughs> so, uh, but they were really patient and they, they, were, they were there for me. And they're really supportive. So big thanks to them. And watching you know, all the games this season, all of the practice, how were you able to kind of visualize how you would fit into everything, you know, everything kind of changing a little bit with DeJounte? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident, you know, in, in, in organization. So co coaches and everybody. So I know I'll, I'll fit in right away. I knew the plays. I didn't even, honestly, I didn't even go through the plays. I, I did this morning a little bit, but I knew everything right away when I stepped on the floor and I know our, our game. So, um, and, you know, I, I feel like I'm type of the player that can fit anywhere. So I'm, I'm taught to play that team basketball. I know there's these, these small gaps, you know, and, uh, uh that's my style. And, um, I'm just trying to teach the other players, you know, to play. I think that's a very effective way to play. And, it's very fun as well. Well, yeah, after going such a, a long stretch of trying to rehab and get back, when you finally did hit the floor tonight, did you feel any like mental hesitation of, of wondering about the knee, or or is that point it just kind of it is blocked out? No, because when you practice, you you deal with these like little pain, little. It's not even a pain; it's weakness. It's that that mental weakness, you know. And then you you try to do like you lift and you feel good. And then you're on, you're on a court because lifting and court stuff is different, you know. And then, like, when you need to play against somebody, it's 
you know, another difference that you have and another like fear that you have to outcome, you know? So I didn't have anything, you know, I played against the coaches a ton of the times against the players. Um, I did my conditioning test. I did everything that I could. So I was really confident, really like, and I was aiming this game. I was aiming actually sec to play sec, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't, I, I still, uh, like, like you said, um, I had a little mental issues problem against sec and I couldn't go. So they give me another week, you know, they say, let's aim the Denver. Cause there was like two aims, you know, um, that I had, uh, but no, when I stepped on the floor, I was just nervous because of fans. Honestly, I did, I was there every night, you know, and I didn't expect it, but it was fun.